Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I have a coaching episode for you today, which is all about getting out of your own channels and making your business more visible. My guest is Vanessa Dennett of The Simpson Sisters, who hosts workshops and retreats at her beautiful barn in North Somerset. We talk about finding your audience, defining key stories, the mindset of pitching and the intricacies of it too. All of which we will also be covering on my Smoke Signals course, which, if you're listening as this episode goes out, starts next week. So I hope you enjoy this really practical episode and it gets you thinking about how you can get more visible too. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Kate. How are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, good, thank you. So some people may know you from Instagram, others may not. Oh, and actually, if you've been following me for the last year, you will have seen that I did one of my workshops at Vanessa's barn earlier this year. So you might know Vanessa through that, but you tell us in your own words, your story and all about the barn and what you're doing in your business. Okay. I've said before, I'm the person you least want to be stuck in an elevator with because I find it really hard to do this pitch in a sort of short (laughs) and sweet way. (laughs) But I'm Vanessa. My business is called The Simpson Sisters, which many people question me about and say, well, how's that relevant? Well, it's relevant because Simpson was my maiden name and I do actually have three sisters. (laughs) More than that, it is really me on my own running the business. But I like the name and it's just sort of stuck with me along the way. Mm -hmm. Oh, golly, where to start? My life has been a sort of bit of a mishmash, really. I left school very early at 16 and have done all sorts of things in the meantime. I've travelled, I've done worked in all sorts of different industries. But for the last 20 years, I've spent the large majority of it following my husband's career. And we've lived all over the world. We have two daughters. So I've been, for the larger part of the time, actually just being a parent, being the parent at home. When you're overseas, it's much more difficult for both parties to work if you've got no family and no support systems but has given me amazing opportunities to explore all sorts of things I've been interested in along the way really. We came home or back to the UK just over three years ago from Sweden. On returning I well we renovated a house, we undertook this barn project which is a story in itself. (laughs) I had a job for a little while and then did a bit of freelancing and then decided no more no more I have to work for myself. And this sort of coincided with the barn project. The barn is a building that I've known all my life. It's in a small village in North Somerset. And it's a building that I could see out of the bathroom window of of the house I grew up in. And often sort of thought, oh, I'd love to live there one day. But it, it was not a residential barn. It was agricultural. And it seemed unlikely that we would or anybody would ever get planning permission on it. But about 20, just over, oh, more than 20 years ago now, my then fiancé and I came back from Australia and I said to my father, you know, Dad, do you think there's any chance of us being able to get that barn by the barn and, you know, build a house there? Both Mike and I really wanted to build our own house at that stage. And my dad very kindly made some inquiries and the you know, absolute answer from the council in those days was no, it won't ever get residential permission. 
there's no village boundary. It was subject to all sorts of um, contentious planning mm. over the years. But he took a bit of a punt on it because he was given a little glimpse of light and told that he might be able to get a, an office or part of it converted for office use. So on that score, it was okay. Mike and I sort of carried on with our lives and travelled and had children. And eventually, about five years ago, I said to them, do you think you would be ready to sell the barn? And they thought about it and said yes. We had to decide whether to buy it. So we did. We took a massive gamble because we sunk all our savings into buying the barn with really no prospect of getting any sort of planning permission on it and no plan of what to do with it. Just this vague feeling that it should somehow be part of our lives. And it came into my sort of awareness that there was going to be a change in some sort of planning law within the permitted development regulations. And it gave us a little chink of light that we might be able to get a a change of use on the barn. It's a long story. It was a longer process. But the long and the short of it is that we did get planning permission for um, residential use on the barn. Hooray! (laughs) But for the time being, we now have this lovely building that we went ahead and converted. And we're not here all the time living in it as a family. It's our, I say it's our completely unintentional second home. And it seemed to me that I needed to try and make sense of it. It's too lovely not to have people here sharing it and doing nice things with it. It would break my heart to have it empty all day, every day. So, um... I've gently figured a way out of, of how to share it with other people in a way that suits me and our family. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's it's such a romantic story as well that you used to see it from the window when you were growing up and now now it's yours and you're making it into this space that is for you, but it's also for others and it is a beautiful space and you've made it really lovely and it yeah, it's such a star-crossed lovers kind of story with you in the barn (laughs) it it is a good story and uh, yeah it is um yeah I don't know am I a fatalist or a dreamer I don't know but (laughs) but somehow maybe it was meant to be I don't know yes here we are with this barn and um I've been finding ways to share it I started after I stopped working for somebody else when we came back from Sweden first of all I as I said I had this um job and quite quickly remembered that I'm really, I'm rubbish at being employed. <laughs> yeah, figured I had to do something else. So I, I wish I had sort of found the Instagram community and had you had your business up and running then, I probably would have found you and it would have shortened my journey a bit. But I found my way slowly. I started by running workshops in Bristol around my kitchen table thinking, okay, well, I need to meet some people. I don't really know anyone in Bristol. And... I quite like doing sort of creative things, I think. And I think I thought maybe I'd find my thing and that, you know, maybe I would find something that I was talented at and would be a maker. But that's not what happened at all. I think what I discovered is that I really, I'm a real dabbler. I love having a go at all sorts of things, but I don't have the focus to spend a lot of time making one thing again and again. Mm. But, you know, I met loads of really nice people and um, I can cook and I really enjoy bringing people together and that's how the workshops have sort of become the thing that I create I suppose. I create the environment for a workshop and I carried on doing that in Bristol with all sorts of people and then as soon as the barn was converted I started the Mount Hiss. In fact it's almost exactly a year ago that I started workshops at the barn 
And I've had a wonderful year meeting people well, like yourself and all sorts of other lovely women who've run a whole variety of workshops from you know personal development retreats to silversmithing. And I've got lots more sort of lined up and I've got all sorts of plans for the future, which I'm really excited about too. Oh. Yeah, it's it's so funny actually, because I remember we first met at Blogtacular last year, so 2017. And now, and now knowing you now, over like it's changed so much and it's refined so much and you know so much more now where your value is. Because I remember we were kind of like, oh, I kind of do this and I do these workshops. So I'm not really sure about that. I've got this barn as well, by the way. <laughs> and it's it has kind of definitely, you've achieved a lot in terms of your clarity around this over the last year. And what you've done is to look at all the ways in which you can best provide value really lent into your strengths acknowledged your weaknesses in inverted commas and gone well I'm not got the focus to be doing this but what I'm really great at is that and to really follow your nose in that way absolutely that I mean that is exactly what I have done and I think it took me a long time to accept that actually that's the way I am and that I really just have to work things out so yeah I've sort of cobbled it all together to make something that really suits me and that that I think you know other people really can get value out of too yeah no I agree as someone who has received your value I agree (laughs) so in terms of kind of like your next steps and stuff because obviously you've mentioned that you are on Instagram and I know you're very kind of connected there you've been doing a bit of blogging and things so what what's your kind of big challenge at the moment with taking this forward well I think having done your campfire course earlier this year that was really (laughs) helpful in getting me to clarify what I wanted to do and who with and when it comes down to, you know, I've sat and asked myself the whys. Um, <laughs> when it comes down to it, mostly I just want to be with like-minded people. That's what I really enjoy. That's what makes my heart sing. So it's finding a way to do that. And it's bringing together people at the barn and connecting with them online. And I guess the one thing that I have really learned, thinking I was a bit creative, I think the creativity that I've learned I really enjoy is the writing, the photography, that is how I'm managing to connect with people, mm. photography and Instagram and via the blog then. And that's how I'm finding the people I really like. And the best thing of all is actually meeting them in real life. So I want to continue running workshops with people like yourself, you know, hosting them for other people running workshops. I'm going to establish a monthly not a workshop. I just want to have a day at the barn with groups of people who are probably going through similar processes of, you know, maybe setting up their own businesses or working in their own businesses or thinking about it and giving them an opportunity to spend some time together in a totally informal environment, but with the possibility of picking each other's brains and making the most of each other's resources I will look after everybody and make sure that they are feeling good and feed them and make endless cups of tea and we'll go for a walk because, you know, I think there's great power and a bit of fresh air and exercise. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I want to do. And the other thing, which is maybe even more exciting, is that we're just about to have a shepherd's hut delivered. Well, by the the year anyway. (laughs) Delivered. That's such a funny idea of it turning up with the post. (laughs) Actually, I wrote yesterday in something. I said, we're expecting a new arrival at the barn. And I thought, oh, people will think I'm pregnant. (laughs) And I thought, no, they'll remember how old I am. That's not (laughs) happening. 
so yes, we've got a shepherd's hut on the way, which will give us a bit of extra space here. So it means as a family, we've got more room to all be here together. We can invite friends to stay. But what I can also do is invite other women like me to come and stay and to have a couple of days here, you know, a night and a couple of days so that we can walk and talk and explore. And well, I want to give them an opportunity to do this sort of brain dump and download that I've maybe struggled to find somebody to help me with in real life. I think the world, those of us who've sort of immersed ourselves in the world of online creatives and that sort of environment, often find that in our day-to-day lives, people don't really quite understand what we're doing or Mm -hmm. why or how. And I think there's great power in just a bit of support from somebody else. And, you know, there's a place for coaching, there's a place for counseling, but that's not what I want to do. I, li- I just want to be there for somebody to to be a support, to listen to them, to look after them, to cook for them. You know, we've got a really lovely pizza oven outside so we can light a fire, we can go for a walk. And just to give people a genuine escape from day-to-day life. I've often thought that, you know, the, the retreats are wonderful things and there are so many wonderful opportunities to retreat with other women. But sometimes you don't want to be with other women. Or sometimes a group feels a bit overwhelming or you feel uncomfortable walking into a group. I find it quite difficult. Mm. Sometimes you don't need anything structured and you might consider going away on your own to a bed and breakfast, but that can feel a bit soulless and lonely, I think. So, I, you know, I'm old enough now to have figured out that if I'm feeling a certain way, there probably are other people feeling like that too. And maybe I can just give them a really nice break. Mm. Yeah. You know my feelings on this. <laughs> I think it's it's a, a really lovely thing and something completely different and something that I think people will really get a lot of value from. But in terms of kind of practically, then for you, it's about getting the message out that these things are happening a bit more. <laughs> but all these ideas, they're all in my head and all, all, you know, and I'm gently sort of trying to write them down and put them into shape and it's coming together. But I am the world's worst self-promoter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I find it really difficult. Even, you know, on Instagram, I sort of sometimes have to think, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to actually tell people that there are workshops happening, aren't, aren't I? Yeah. And <laughs> I just wish that people could read between the lines or... <laughs> Or read the thoughts behind the photos that I'm sharing when I actually put a picture of a cake on. And what I mean to say is, oh, by the way, I'm going to be offering this. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, people aren't quite as tuned in as that. <laughs> I know. And, um, I don't really like Facebook. Networking makes people really unwell. I just, I, tr- I really tried it. I really did try it. And I just, I'm not good at it. So what I need to do is to find a way to to let people know what it is I do and how I can do it um, in, in a way that feels more comfortable mm. to me. Yeah, and I think that's something that a lot of people will resonate with. It's definitely a case of doing this on your own terms in a way that's going to you're able to do it so that you can talk about what you do and get in front of the right people in a way that's sustainable, that you're going to be able to keep doing over and over again. So the first step of this is, as as always, is to focus in on, on the person that you want to be coming to your barn days and also to your kind of more one-to-one retreat. Because I imagine 
they're similar but different. And so it's being really clear on who they are, but also where they are. And that's really the crucial thing when you're wanting to step up your promotion and get in front of new people. It's where actually are they already getting their information and their inspiration. So your more day barners, which we're now going to be calling them, they're going to be more local-ish. So with that, you've got to think about, okay, so where are the this kind of person with this kind of problem that does this kind of thing? Where are they already in Bristol and, and this area? What Where are they going to for information um when they where do they go for their coffee where do they go out where are they currently getting this kind of thing from and kind of researching that and then also for your retreats which are more not as location specific in terms of who can do them because people travel it's where are they looking for solutions to this problem that they've got what might they be searching for who are they following what magazines are they reading? What podcasts are they listening to? Where are they trying to find a bit of the solace that they that they need? So that's the first thing because it's all very well to go straight into well, I'm gonna I'm gonna write for this magazine about what I do, but actually, if not none of the right people are really reading that magazine, then that's kind of a pointless exercise. So that's always the the first thing to do is to really hone in on those people and the ecosystem of content and businesses and people that they are kind of swirling around in and how you can become a part of that. Yeah. I mean I think I've sort of thought a bit about yeah the local the local people there are lots and lots of Facebook mm-hmm. groups and networks that I have sort of been part of and um I'm aware that that's probably one of my stumbling blocks because I suspect there are, you know that's a good place to to uh, get to know some of those people. And as far as uh, locations within Bristol where they hang out, yeah, I guess there are lots of cafes and, in fact, co-working spaces maybe that that would be worth investigating. Mm-hmm. And for the retreats, um, as you say, there's quite a lot of crossover between all these people, and. I, my feeling now, whether it's just because it's the place I prefer to be, is that they lots of them will be on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I think you know lots of creative people are there looking for inspiration, and I guess, and I know this really, I need to spend more time or devote more time to exploring different hashtags around different groups of people rather than maybe just my own interests. I, I don't know how effective using the hashtags. Yeah, it's funny. I think probably if we'd had this conversation a year ago, I'd been like, oh, yes, they're vital. But actually, I think they aren't as important as they once were. So I would think about it more in terms of, okay, so they're on Instagram. Who are they following? Who are the people that they look up to? Who are the ones whose stories they watch religiously? And then think about how you can connect to that person and get in front of their audience in that way so maybe they've got a blog and they do take kind of interviews or submissions or maybe it's somebody who you could invite down to come for one of the barn days or something and in that way get in front of their audience I think similarly with the Facebook groups and stuff it's the reason that feels icky is because nobody wants to be the person who goes into the Facebook group and it's like, hi, everyone, I've got a bug, come and come down. <laughs> and, and nobody's going to respond to that. So it's kind of thinking about how can I connect to the audience here in a way that's not really spammy. So what I would do is kind of get to know the group leader 
and say, is there any way that we could maybe kind of do a joint live together that I can share some of my experiences? Or is, if you wanted to host a meetup, we could do this at, at the barn and I'd love to talk more about what we're doing. And so find a way to connect in a way that looks, that is more organic, but kind of taking control of the relationship. So you're not just doing, like anybody can write the spammy comment in a group, but if it's important enough that your people are in there and they're really engaged in that group, how can you really level up the way that you connect in that group and go to the leader and stuff like that? Yeah, that's really helpful actually, because that, that gives me ideas of people I could connect with or invite anyway. Mm. So yeah, it's really getting specific about those places that they that they are at. So yes, they're on Instagram, but Instagram's a big place. <laughs> so who are they following? What what are the kind of the circles they move in there and what are the podcasts that they listen to and and it, these things all join up. So if you know the person who is like their number one person they follow on Instagram, well then look at has that person been on a podcast because maybe they their people also listen to their podcasts and have they written for a magazine and what maybe you can get into that one and that's how you start building the picture up is if you it feels like quite a big thing to do to suddenly come up with all these places where these people are if you can find one lead of a person and then explore where they've been that that's what I've always done in my business I've gone through people's press pages and that's why I have a press page on my website so it's a useful to for people to see where I've been if they want to hear more of what I've done but also it's use it's like a good lead for people who want to be doing their outreach and things like this to be able to see oh well Kate's done this and that so maybe maybe I can do that too yeah, I can try. Yeah, I mean, I sort of have this vague idea of, you know, being featured in a, in a magazine one day. Yeah, except it makes me sort of feel uncomfortable and to laugh at myself for even saying it out loud. But oh, that's... no, why? <laughs> I don't know. It's just... Is it the exposure of being in a magazine or is it a who do I think I am feeling? Oh, I think probably the latter. Yeah. yeah. A bit like, you know, when, when do you tell people that you, that you write things and that you take mm-hmm. photographs? Well, I did a retreat in um, or a photography workshop in Greece and I travelled with my camera and I took a tripod too. And two or three people said to me, are you a photographer? And I just laughed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's you idiot. <laughs> oh, no, but um, that is a big thing that we all have to work through is actually accepting what we are and what we do and giving ourselves the job title. But I think what you're also picking up on is actually getting clear on on the objectives of why you're doing it because yes oh I could be featured in a magazine one day kind of feels like you're being a bit egotistical until you've got an objective for your business that makes it just a tool rather than you feeling like you want to do it because you're selfish which isn't the case anyway but so if you can go right I know that the person who will be coming to my retreat, their absolute favourite magazine is 91 magazine, for example. Well, then it becomes imperative for your business to you, for you to be featured in there. And if the objective is that what you want to be doing is raising awareness within a market about the fact that your barn exists or that the concept of the retreat exists, well, then it it's not as attached to you anymore, is it? It's about it's about the business what I what I want is is for people to open up a magazine and to you know something to catch their eye and then to read through and go that 
that's what yeah. I want to do. That's what's going to make me feel better. Mm. That's what's going to make me give me the headspace I need, or just you know, maybe for, if it's just for a day here, just a bit of camaraderie. That that's what I think a lot of us need a lot of mm-hmm. the time. Not necessarily. I mean, workshops are wonderful for p- learning skills, but a lot of what I see that goes on here is not just the skills that people pick up, but it's the support that women give each other mm. during workshops that's as valuable. And that's what you have to tap into. You actually, with outreach quite a lot, you have to take yourself out of it because in the nicest possible way, you are the least important thing about it when you are trying to connect with new people because it should be all about them and the value they're going to receive and all about the product and the experience but it's very difficult for us as human beings to kind of separate us out of it and we think oh what will people think of me and oh what will they think of that but they're not they're thinking about themselves so it's yeah removing that element of it and being like I'm I'm not important in this it's just about these people and making sure that they are getting the knowledge that they need that this thing exists for them and how great this thing is and it's, it's not really about me at all yep there's just how to, yes, I mean, I kind of have an idea of, you know, where people who might like to come here, largely, they're going to be people like me, I suspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I know where to head. And then it's a question of how to go about it. And I yeah. just am clueless. And, you know, I have looked at things online, courses and things. And and then I just read the first of two paragraphs and get overwhelmed and think, well, I'll look at that next year. Mm. But then next year, you kind of, <laughs> it's like, oh, well, maybe I won't be ready yet. You're never going to be ready to do this stuff. And if you are kind of waiting to do things because you wait until the business is bigger or I'm more confident or I'm more well-known, it's very chicken and egg because the thing that's going to make you more confident, the business bigger, you more well-known is doing this kind of work. And there is no doubt in my mind that a huge part of my growth this year has been doing this kind of outreach work, getting onto other people's channels, because what it's meant is that new people have been finding me and that I've had lots of different platforms and ways to talk about what I do to help people see themselves reflected and resonating in what I do. This this sounds so, I'm so big time, but I actually, I responded to a Twitter request of a journalist who wanted to talk to people who'd been doing their own PR for their business. So I found a stat when I was going through things that actually it's been 37% of my income this year has been directly from being on other people's channels. So I could, from people saying, I heard you on so-and-so podcast and have then come directly over and booked a course or, or coaching or whatever. So it's really, it impacts the bottom line in that way, but it's really about just growing your visibility and people knowing who you are and what you do and what you stand for and, and then being able to tell their friends. However, that's that's the big picture. Really bringing that down is that it feels like you have to be a someone or you have to really have loads to say, but you don't actually. You have to find what your key stories and messages are and just have a handful of them. Because actually, if you think about it, say me, for example, if I went and spoke about a completely different thing on every podcast I went on, there'd be such a confused message out there about what I am and what I do. Whereas I go on and I always talk about slow marketing, your why, your audience. And that's what people know me for now. So it's actually 
really refining down the things that you can talk about. And you're lucky because you do have a good story. (laughs) You've got the romantic story of the barn and how that all came to be and now the shepherd's such joining it and, and that building it together. And you've got your own experience and this experience of people who've come and had workshops for you and and you can talk about the magic of getting women together and so you've got these little stories that you can then talk about that are going to ignite people's curiosity and inspire them so that's like a piece of homework if you like from this is to look at all the things you have in your business and I know you because you've done campfire you've got your content buckets as well so you can use those to structure these messages as well that what are the kind of five key stories key messages that you've got to tell and then they're the things that you you pitch yeah so yeah that's okay that's fine I mean it's you know I'm quite clear on on yeah who I am and what mm-hmm. I can do then it's just a question of actually doing it isn't yeah, it yeah <laughs> and so there's, there's lots of different types and ways to be to be doing this even a follow friday can be a form of outreach it doesn't have to be you know going to the sunday times magazine so there's lots of lots of different ways to do it also i quite a big fan of the idea of what i call reverse outreach so rather than it being you wanting to get onto somebody else's podcast for example which might be sometimes a bit of a bigger ask because they might have be booked out for six months of all their what their slots are and things like that it's inviting somebody with an audience you want to get in front of onto one of your channels with the idea being that then say you interviewed them on your blog once it goes live they're going to promote it because they want their people to see that they're big time enough to have been interviewed on this blog and they want people to see the content and the stuff that they've been putting out there. So they're publicizing to their audience, I've been interviewed on this blog, do go and check it out, here's the link. And then you're getting that audience you wanted to get in front of coming to your website, which is where they you want them in the first place. Yeah, okay, that's a good idea, yep. And I think as that crosses over into Instagram as well as if you can do either things like joint lives which I know people have been starting to do so if there was somebody who you wanted to get on and you can kind of interview them on your Instagram live and put it onto IGTV and things again they'll be sending people to your Instagram and even things like stories takeovers and stuff like that if you've got somebody coming to do a workshop you could say to them oh do you want to tell people that you're going to be showing it on my stories and they can take it over and then their audience will come and want to see what's going on and so it's things like that that you can get people engaged by using your own channels rather than having to always pitch outwards yeah that's really helpful actually I love the idea of stories takeovers Mm. which especially because you are a a physical business it's really good to make sure get people seeing that so it's not just about the ideas it's about the place and and the space that you're providing quite literally Mm. on my list I've written it down (laughs) (laughs) but that doesn't mean that you just do that there is still it's having put that as part of the mix but also pitching out and getting people in so the kind of top tips for pitching is like I said earlier it's kind of taking yourself out of it because you are the least interesting thing about the pitch (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) which some people might find 
horrible, but I quite like it because I know I'm going to lead with the why and the story and the value that I'm going to be providing and that I'm inconsequential. I don't need to prove myself. It's about it's about the story. Um, well, I love that. I'd much rather be invisible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so whether you're pitching to to magazines or to a blogger or to a podcast, it all remains the same and, and you've got to really connect with what they want kind of full stop so for me as a podcast host I want to know that I'm going to be able to put out an interview that's going to be really good quality it's going to be really useful it's going to be full of value there's going to be some interesting takeaways for people it's going to be inspirational that's what I want to know so the pitch needs to lead with what that is going to be what this what is the key message or the topic what are the takeaways how is it going to engage my audience and to really demonstrate that you understand who who is the person listening one of my best stories that that's exactly what i've got to do is identify which of those stories is for which precisely that's it and so this this podcast is kind of more of a practical podcast so pitching's a more practical kind of story where there'd be lots of how to's and this is what I did would be good whereas other people's podcasts like I know you've done Fiona's she is a lot more conceptual big ideas mindset stuff so if you've got a kind of more a story that's more along that line that's the kind of thing you'd pitch there so it's really kind of knowing what the podcast host or the magazine editor what they want to be providing to their audience and showing that you can provide that so that's the key, that's the main part of your pitch. And then the part where you talk about yourself is just the extra bit to show why it should be you yeah. telling that story. Okay, that's good. It all makes sense. And and I, I did a course with Laura Jane Williams over the summer, which was specifically about pitching to press and things. And she kept saying, it's just an email. <laughs> it's just... It's just sending an email to someone. And I'll also link it in the show notes. There's a Being Boss episode where it's about pitching to podcasts, which is a really great listen. And it's with their own PR manager. And she made a really great point that you're not asking someone to do you a favor. And I think a lot of us do that where we go in almost apologetically like, oh, I'm really sorry, but it'd be really great if I could be on your podcast. I'm sorry. Whereas... No, like somebody pitches to me, they're they're doing me a favour because they're giving me content for me to put out. That's what I need as somebody. There's a podcast, I guess, is there? Exactly, yeah. Otherwise, what am I going to do? Sit here and try and think of something to talk about. (laughs) So it's a much more equal relationship than I think people approach it as. It is a collaboration between equals and you don't need to feel like you are asking for something that they don't want to do mm-hmm. it's just that yes it's a mindset isn't it that yeah. you know I think lots of us often feel we're on the back foot and mm-hmm. never quite experienced enough or knowledgeable enough or but that's where it comes back to it's the story as well yeah it doesn't matter whether you are knowledgeable enough on this on on a subject because you've got the story yeah and nobody else can tell that yes <laughs> but it's, having it's said that fun. it's part of my life I mean you know it really yeah. is it's not I haven't made it up either. yeah no it, it's um places like the simple things and things like that it, you can just see it it's it's a very inspirational story of people 
there are so many people who want to have that escape, that place with the shepherd's hut and the pizza oven. I mean, come on. <laughs> How dreamy is that? And it, it is it is something that can be really inspirational. But having said all of that, yes, it is a mindset and a process, but that doesn't take away the fact that it's very real, that it is scary to do this. So what I do is I have a hit list that I've got set up. I've got it in a Excel spreadsheet but it's just a list. It's a list of kind of podcasts and magazines and people or people doing events, venues, that kind of thing that I just continually add to. So if I'm speaking to somebody on like this podcast or I'm speaking to a client, they said, oh, I listened to the XYZ podcast. I think I've never heard of that. And I'll just pop it on the list because I know it's part of that ecosystem that my person is operating in. That's where they're getting information inspiration. So I need to be at least aware of it. And it's on that list. That doesn't mean I'm going to pitch to it in three days time. Yeah, You can put a date next to it. I've got things on my list that have got a date of Q4 2019. (laughs) So it's a year and a half in the future, but I've set the intention. Yeah. And And actually, I I do, I totally have come to appreciate the benefit of that. Just somehow writing something down Mm. makes it more real. Yeah. And starting with the small ones, if you're going to be pitching to podcasts and things like that, start with one that isn't, wouldn't be your number one choice (laughs) because then you've got space to have your first one, get it out of the way, be nervous and then move on and move up through it. So yes, it's a mindset change but also give yourself a bit of a break and, and and ease yourself in a little bit. So yeah, don't start by pitching to the Sunday Times magazine. As I said, start by pitching to a small blogger, but just who is really active in Bristol, for example. That might be a really good place to start. But have the intention set because as you do more and more of this, and I would advocate to making this part of your routine, I, that was something that I did is that I was aiming to get one piece of outreach a month so just having that would be maybe every other Friday I'd send a couple of emails is what it looks like in reality (laughs) so it works it works yeah (laughs) so it's having that that kind of making it part of your everyday so that it becomes less scary because you're doing it all the time and you're giving yourself the best opportunities to have a few wins so going for ones you think you'll probably be more likely to to get in on <laughs> initially and building up to those bigger ones. Yeah. How do you decide you know, who to write to at a magazine, for example, mm-hmm. and how, how to approach the whole thing, how, how much to write in an email? How? Okay, yeah. So uh, almost anywhere will have where they want you to contact them and how they want you to contact them. Uh, it's always better to contact a person than a, you know, admin at so-and-so address but do pay attention to what they say if they say very specifically please only send submissions to this address do that because they've got a process internally but if you can get hold of a person it's always good for magazines especially in the front of the magazine they've got the list of who all the editors are and what their jobs are yeah so that's who you need to contact it will generally be like a features editor or if it's say they've got like a travel section that you might want to be in do go into that one yeah. So that's the who, and then you can generally, with a Google, find the email address because they do want to be contacted because they need content. 
it's not like there's a huge gatekeeper and they don't want to let anyone in because they need to let people in because they need the content so it's not you're not kind of doing anything shady by finding it out yeah and then things like podcasts and stuff they will always have a contact contact information on there in terms of the email itself real short (laughs) so think about say a magazine editor who is getting 50 100 200 emails into their inbox every hour if it's a kind of five to ten paragraph email it's not being read so two i would say is the most so in the first paragraph it's that what this is the story this is what's going to be inspirational about it this is the takeaway and then the second paragraph is this is me this is why i should write it and it's not about getting everything out in that first email it'd be it's much better to aim for them to email you back to ask for more than for them to not read it because it's too long yeah okay so it's coming up with that really sort of pithy impactful paragraph <laughs> yeah well and it's doing the work for them because I mean, I've had emails like this where somebody has sent me, this is who I am, this is what I do. Is there an opportunity for us to go on the podcast? That's too much work for me to do because I've then got to go and kind of dig deep more into them, look at what maybe they could talk about. Like, I don't I don't want to do that work. I want somebody to come to me and be like, here's the episode title, more or less. So I can be like, ah, right, well, I can already see where that's going to fit in let me go back and go back and ask a few more questions just to clarify so it's making sure you're making the person who's receiving this do as little work as possible making it as easy for them to see how your piece can slot into their podcast schedule or their magazine for autumn winter just got to set two and do it then (laughs) (laughs) and so yeah as i said making it part of the routine so start start with putting your list together so go back to where those where your people are hanging out, where they're getting their information inspiration, make that list, put a couple of dates next to it, write a draft of a pitch and send it maybe to somebody you know who has done this before or maybe if you've got a blogger friend who wouldn't mind looking over it or somebody with a podcast, do that. And then you've got your your pitch kind of template and you can just change the identifying information every time you send it send a couple out and just yeah it's sending an email and not worrying too much about it and not putting every single hope and dream on one email and using using your own connections as well this this is the thing that you've got and probably a lot of people have got being engaged on instagram being in the blogging world is that like you know me and i've got a podcast and here we are (laughs) so using using those connections and those people that you know and saying going at it from the same point of view so not going oh let me on but going at it as this is what I'd love to talk about but knowing that you're at least going to get a response from those so as I say starting small starting with the friendly people and then moving upwards so Instagram feels like a really safe place for that doesn't it (laughs) yeah but also just another thing as well always email (laughs) don't dm and just public service announcement to anyone listening don't dm me as well (laughs) i can't because a lot of people just can't manage that and i need everything in my inbox so always always email because dms get lost people don't always see them say they had like a story that went really viral that day and they're getting hundreds and hundreds of replies they're going to lose that dm at least with an email you know you can always 
reply to it and say, oh, didn't know if you saw this or just just checking if you've got any more questions on this. So it, it's a, you've got a thread then to go back to. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's fine. I mean, that's easy enough, isn't it? So you're right. It's just an email. Yeah. And it's for the business and it's it's for your people. It's making them aware of the fact that the thing that they need exists. Yeah. And who are you to keep that away from them? <laughs> so that that was probably quite overwhelming. No, it's good. It's good. I've I've made notes as we've gone, and um, actually, I, yeah, you've broken it down really nicely. So I, it feels sort of achievable. I mean, when I think about you know the finding five, for example, good stories that I can talk about. You know, my blogging is really just storytelling. That's yeah. all I do. So it's not difficult for me to look back over the blog and sort of pull bits out even already, is it? I haven't got to reinvent mm. anything. So, With this, everything already exists. It, the stories already exist. Your knowledge of how to write an email already exists. A lot of the time, the contacts already exists. It's just putting them back together. And it's in in the context of something that feels really scary, but it doesn't have to be because you're not asking for a favour. You're just collaborating with someone who... You need what they've got and they need what you've got. And it's yep. putting the two together. Yep. Okay, good. Good. So you've got, that's your next steps then, is kind of getting your list together, making a plan, and then just kind of making it part of your routine, whether it's monthly or weekly, just to send a couple of pictures out, make sure that you're connecting with people. And it's, say you find somebody new on Instagram who is like a local Bristol business blogger, for example. Part of it can be just going and sending a comment to them so they're aware of you so you're kind of laying the groundwork before you're going to pitch in three months time but starting to build a relationship with somebody that you'd like to connect with and so it can be very small actions like that you don't need to always go in hard straight away you can start building and it's it's looking outwards it's just an attitude of rather than what can I post on my Instagram what can I post on my blog it's who can I connect with and have you found Twitter helpful for that I sort of dip in and out of Twitter and and then I sort of give up on it and yeah. think, oh, no, I can only manage one channel at a time. I just It's enough for me. Mm. Twitter, yes and no. I'd say 90% of the time, if not 95% of the time I spend on Twitter is just scrolling and feeling sad about the state of the world. <laughs> um, but there are things like Twitter chats, which are very good especially if you're quite early in your journey for connecting with people. So Sarah Tasker does one every month. I know, wonderful. Too slow, is it? Yeah, that one is a very busy one, but there are quite a few out there that there's like an ethical hour. Um, Janet Murray does one. Yeah, so there's quite a few different Twitter chats that you can get involved with. Also, if you are wanting to get more and more into press, journalists particularly freelance journalists will put requests out for people that they want to speak to so that's how I ended up speaking to this journalist the other day because she had just put hashtag journal requests looking for people who've done their own PR and that's something that I've done so it can be quite good to follow just quite a few journalists who work for magazines you want to be in and or, or whatever or they're freelancers and then that can be a good segue into a publication if not you pitching directly just going to an, a journalist who's ri- already writing the story and you can be featured in it I guess it's just another way actually of getting to know them and yeah. who they write for and another way of connecting yeah they're thinking doesn't it yeah mm-hmm. I could do a little more 
Twitter cruising. <laughs> yeah, and it, it doesn't mean that you have to be there all the time. If you're only following a handful of relevant journalists, it's kind of popping in every day, every other day, seeing if they need anything or what they're doing. And if not, you can go back to Instagram where it's all nice and happy. <laughs> <laughs> Bury my head in the sand once more. (laughs) Good. So any more questions about that or are you feeling like you've got some tangible things to go and work on? No, that's great. It's been really helpful, Kate. Thank you. Yeah, no, I feel like I can actually go straight away, sort of make a list and start pulling together some stories. And I'm actually doing some revamping on my website, you know, just sort of tidying it up and um, updating a little bit. So that's another good way of looking yeah. pulling the right stories out you know I need to do it anyway so exactly well there you go two two birds with one stone <laughs> so for our la- this is going to feel a bit <laughs> we've been very intense on the marketing stuff so now let's just do our nice our nice grow with soul question <laughs> so how do you grow with soul in your work and life yeah I did have to think about this and actually I think it comes down to three things really quick though one I decided to follow your curiosity. That's all I've done. And actually, I think it's the only way to really establish what interests you and what fills you up. The second thing I thought was don't be afraid of change. Is that, you know, it can actually be really good. And then I thought, oh, probably the most important one and the one that I struggle with the most was just to stop worrying about what other people think. Yeah. Very apt after this conversation as well. I (laughs) know. If only I could take my own advice. (laughs) (laughs) It's a process. (laughs) <laughs> that's how, you know, that's how I've got to where I am today anyway. So, and I'm sure that just by doing, continuing to do that, you know, I'll, I'll grow further. Right. Vanessa, where can people find you online? You will find me on Instagram at Simpson Sisters and my website, thesimpsonsisters.co.uk. Brilliant. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks very much indeed, Kate. As I mentioned right at the beginning, my outreach course, Smoke Signals, Putting Your Message Where Your People Can See It, starts on November the 5th. In this course, we'll go into all the things we discussed in this episode and much more besides to help you make outreach part of your strategy and to get you pitching and connecting. You can sign up on my website and there's also a link in the show notes. Any other links that we mentioned today will be on my website at simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast. And you can find me and Vanessa on Instagram. I'm at Simple and Season and she's at Simpson Sisters. All the S's there. <laughs> As always, if you have a friend who would really benefit from this conversation, please do send them the link to the episode and share with us where you're listening online and let us know your thoughts. Until next time, I hope you grow with soul.